people, welcome to the One Arm Minute, where we continue our hard target search for fun and facts through the minutes of the 1993 action classic, The Fugitive. I'm Roger. I'm Susan. And this is Minute 10 of The Fugitive. And Susan, we have our first guest, a very special guest, someone who comes from us to us from another fairly well-known movie starring Harrison Ford. Um, it's Pete the Retailer from the Star Wars Minute. How are you doing, Pete? Everybody's all disappointed that Mosquito Coast Moon guy is fired. <laughs> like, the Indiana Jones boys, yay! <laughs> the Mosquito Coast, I I think unironically is a pretty fantastic movie. Oh yeah, no, I I, I like that one, uh, and and uh, I just read the book not too long ago, and that was pretty good too. But I love it. Well, um, but yes, hi, I'm Pete. It's great to have you, Pete. We I feel like we are in the presence of podcast royalty susan was reminding me that we have not yet paid homage as we should to you know to you and alex who are two of the people who helped begin this crazy journey that now several hundred of us have embarked on um you were so generous to be the first guest on my first podcast which was roadhouse minute so i feel like having you back as our first guest on this podcast gives it that that stamp of approval that i'm sure we're all craving how are you doing? Hope, hopefully, I'm good luck. I'm doing all right. Things are things are good. We're um, wrapping up. Uh, well, not wrapping up, but we're getting close. We can see the finish line on our latest uh, season of Star Wars Minute, and so it's a it's an odd feeling. How many episodes in total, roughly speaking, will you have in the can by the time this one wraps? Of this movie, or just in general total? Well, the movie, I guess, on your on your podcast feed. Um, of this, we're about to. Uh, um, I think the one is coming out this week, or, or then like the one one ten to one fifteen when we're recording this from this. From and in total, over all the movies you've done so far, over all of them, we just passed fifteen hundred not too long ago. Wow, Susan, that that is a that's a scary number that I cannot <laughs> I cannot even count. I was terrified at the hundred and thirty episodes from this movie. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, this is where's my decorum? This is minute ten. Um, this minute starts with Kimball's outrage at being accused of Helen's murder, and it ends with Helen being thrown violently against the wall. And this is this is a courtroom. This is kind of courtroom week. Um, we're going to dispose of this legal proceeding with swift injustice, I guess you would say. <laughs> um, but this is a great scene. I mean, to start off with, uh, this is kind of this is this is when Harrison Ford goes from quiet acting to really loud acting. Pete, did you remember this scene from when you saw this movie way back in the day? Um, not specifically. No, I, I had the vague, you know, the kind of plot points a little bit in my head. I was like, oh yeah, right. He was there. His wife is killed, and he gets accused of it, and then he goes, you know, I guess he he gets well. Does he go to jail and then escape? That's why he's a fugitive. That's why it works. Right? That's hey, he actually you, makes it to jail and then escapes. Isn't you have you have cleverly sussed out the meaning of the title of the movie. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I was happy when I gave you these minutes um, because, in a sense, these minutes basically recap what you need to know. So if you weren't caught up, these minutes are going to kind of get you caught up in all the salient plot points. And previously scene, on the fugitive, yeah, previously on the fugitive, all the things happened that Harrison Ford describes to us. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he points violently at cops. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was um, not sure how I felt about his acting here, his performance here, and I I know it like because the, the, the little bits I'm I'm like seeing 
through the veil of this role, I'm seeing Return of the Jedi Han Solo, and I'm like, I don't know, do I? But I like also that he, I, I, it could be intentional because it could be. I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that it's intentional because, like, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I believe that, and maybe I'm not supposed to believe, not not supposed to know if I believe it or not for the sake of the movie. Because then when he's, you know, when he's doing the um, kind of, you know, what we, we spoiler alert, we're going to see some kind of flashbacks to the night in question. And when he was just kind of like being himself, I'm like, oh, okay, that guy I believe. But then this kind of him like on the spot, I'm like, hmm. It's a very, it's a very showy performance. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly, I feel like I remember, I'm sure that if Harrison Ford was forced to do promotion for the movie, and I'm sure he hated it, and I'm sure he had to. Like He was grumpy, I'm sure. I guarantee you that this is the clip that he would have to play if he went on like Carson or Letterman <laughs> at the time. Because, you know, th- this is his Oscar minute. If he had been nominated for the Oscar, this is the clip that they would have shown. So, Pete, to, just to, to, uh, to back you up to minute nine, um, in case you didn't remember I that minute. So much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in the previous minute... Uh, Detective Kelly, who's uh, played by the great Ron Dean, mm. basically accuses um, Richard Kimball of killing his wife for the insurance money. Right. And so that's where all of this rage explosion is coming from. They've already, they're not just questioning him, they've already kind of accused him because they think he's. They pretty much decided that he did it, essentially. Yeah. You know, it's funny because now that you mention it, he is never accused in any at any point during this interrogation scene of the crime. It's hinted at strongly, but they never actually come out and say, we think you killed her. He jumps to that right away. Yeah, he does. Well, it takes a little while because there's a, there's a couple of minutes before this minute where there's a slow burn, where they just start asking very general questions. Mm-hmm. And then it slowly get the, the questions get more pointed And then he starts to realize, hold on a minute, I'm being accused of something here. And then when they start to talk about how she comes from a rich family, how he's the sole beneficiary of her insurance, then that's when he's just like, you think I killed her. Right. I'm also assuming, and Susan, you feel free to contradict me. I would bet dollars to donuts that this this minute was entirely improvised by Harrison Ford and the other people. So, Pete, we we have heard that most of this scene, this entire interrogation was improvised. And so I wouldn't be surprised if this was also improvised on the part of Harrison Ford. Yeah, because he doesn't know what questions are coming. So right. he's reacting as he thinks best in the minute, I guess. The, the, the acting, because we, we've talked before in previous minutes about um, how we don't often see Harrison Ford be vulnerable and mm-hmm. like this. And in previous minutes, it was much more subtle. It was kind of like a weird breathing, you know, because he's upset. He's just lost his wife. She's just been horribly killed. Um, but in this one, he starts to go a little bit more, kind of dial it up to 11. He starts pointing and doing strange things with his hands. Yeah, Susan, you were on Hands Patrol last week. I'm on you know, Hands Patrol. by his hands. This is your minute to shine. Do you have any thoughts about well, all a lot of, various things that Harrison Ford does with his hands? There's a lot of very aggressive pointing. And there's also the three-fingered move, which is a patented claw move that Harrison does quite often when he's really upset. It's like, yeah, and then just pointing, pointing and pointing and pointing. <laughs> I wonder if he came up with that as like, this is going to be my thing, or if this, <laughs> like, he doesn't even know that he does it. This is what I'm going to be known for. And not that, you know, Star Wars junk, it's going to be this hand move right here. Right. It seems to me like he sort of, he, he contorts his fingers almost as if he's, he's just 
overwrought with emotion. And then I almost feel like he kind of points finger guns. Like, because it it coincides with when he says, and I shot her. Like, if you watch this clip, it almost feels like he says, like, you know, there was a one-armed man. I fought with this man. Um, You know, uh, that's what it seemed to me like he was too. Hmm. Well, I was trying to think when I'd seen him do hand acting like this before. And the first thing that came to my mind was the scene from Temple of Doom, where he's, he's, he drinks the blood of Kali, and then he's lying on his back on a big slab, and he's doing like kind of like contortions, and his, he does the claw thing then as well. So it seems to be his go-to hand Maybe move. His hands are stuck like that since then. We just haven't noticed. He's like, ah. Oh, they- Maybe. He's got a claw hand. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Scotty or Radar. We just haven't even noticed. That's right. Missing a finger. <laughs> what else? I think one of the things I, I think I sort of find Riley amusing in this minute is the way that Rossetti. So Rossetti's our other cop, played by the great Joe Casala. Um, he he feels like somehow he can continue asking questions, and he keeps asking all of these very specific questions to someone who is obviously having an, a, a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Like, what is he expecting Kimball to do at this point? I. It, it worried me too because I was like putting myself in the, in that position. And I was like, "Well, if I'm like, it, it, you know, if let's say something terrible happened to me and I'm getting questioned and like, you know, how tall was he? What did he weigh? What color were his eyes? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it, like not only the person who killed my wife. Like, if you ask me about ask me that about like my wife, I might not even be able to answer in this kind of situation. I'd be like, I, I don't know. She's tall. I, she has eyes. I think. I think like you know." And then they, that would make me look suspicious. Yeah, it it, it, it seems like it, it's designed to make him look more guilty, but really he's just more distraught. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm never in that situation because I know I'll panic. Or or I'll remember this movie and I'll be like, wait, I got to remember the color of this. I mean, you would think that like, oh, you know, the guy with one arm with a, with a mechanical arm, that that's a pretty important detail you would think that was like the most salient detail right he had one arm yeah he did a, he did a good job of noting down the details but no and then we we had a, we got to figure out also what did he weigh like because we, we we have a variety of guys with mechanical arms of different different weights let's narrow it down because he's like you know like 120 pounds 180 pounds so you narrow it down i mean it's a it's a cliche thing in crime movies to reference the one-armed man but it's not cliched in this movie because this is where the one-armed man comes from. Right. Well, technically it comes from the TV show. That's true. But in the universe of this movie, this is the first instance of the unseen one-armed man uh, being the actual true assailant. Um, I don't have anything else about this interrogation scene. Does anybody have anything else before we move into the courtroom? Um, no, I, well, I, I like the one uh, kind of like... Book him like that, that kind of <laughs> easy, easy transition from one scene to the other. Where it's just like book him. Yeah, our, our fantastic. I'm assuming he's like a he's like an assistant district attorney or someone like that. He seems to be playing that role. This is an actor of no consequence, and so I'm happy to not dig into him very much. <laughs> I do have um, one thing. I noticed that Rosetti is holding a piece of paper in his hand. It does not look like the same piece of paper from the notepad that he's got on his on the desk. I think he's just written down all these questions off set and they come to set with this piece of paper. And he's just reading them off the piece of paper. <laughs> that's that's not a bad idea, because like I said, I mean, even if they improvised all the scene, like you don't want there to be pauses as he's attempting to sort of come up with the, the next in his battery of questions designed to. He's like uh, thinking up new questions. It's like, OK, 
if the suspect was an alarm clock, uh, how would he wake you? <laughs> Wait, what? If you were a plant, what kind of plant would it be? Yeah. Okay, I, I got to ask you both of you a question about this courtroom scene because I feel like I feel like this is the weirdest introduction to a courtroom scene I've ever seen, where it is literally reverse angle of a man who's not important to the rest of this movie, walking down the aisle and sitting down. This is just like some random dude in the audience who we don't care about and will not be introduced to and will never hear from again. I mean, I think the idea, well, the shout out to, to U3PO, who's the one of the one of the first droids that we see in the for opening scene of Star Wars, where he's walking with C-3PO and R2-D2, and then he just turns left and we never see him again after a minute, like, you know, four or whatever, but... Um, same idea. But but this, I mean, maybe the idea with this was that like we were trying to get into the kind of like, oh, you're 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 on the scene. You know what I mean? That's that's the idea. Like you're you're here too. Like you're you're kind of bird's eye view of getting into the um not bird's eye view, but kind of fly on the wall of like, oh, you're you're somebody attending this trial. So you're yeah. getting this kind of verite, like Exactly. We do get so we do get to meet uh, Richard Kimball's lawyer for the first time. Um, d just out of curiosity, did either of you, Pete, did you recognize this person when you saw them? No, I'm trying. I'll tell you who it is, um, and um, but we will be we will be profiling him in more detail in a future minute. So I'm not going to go into a lot of detail now because he doesn't really speak in this, right? No, he doesn't. He has an extended phone conversation with Kimball later on when Kimball decides to come uh, when he. You know, he's when he decides to come back to Chicago. So this is Richard Kimball's lawyer, who's played by Dick Cusack. And if that sounds familiar, this is John and Joan Cusack's father. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm I'm I am excited to talk about uh, him when we get a chance to actually hear his voice. But here he is sitting at a table, not helping very much. Yeah. Not well. I'm assuming not yet, but knowing how the movie goes, not enough overall. Yeah. There's done more, no matter what should have done more um we've got this courtroom scene we we start to hear from our prosecuting attorney um who yeah. we will go into a little bit more detail about in tomorrow's minute um because tomorrow's minute is where we really get it he gets a chance to present his theory of the case um i just wanted to say too that like the end of this minute whatever stunt person they got to play these scenes of helen getting killed really takes a lot of abuse i mean i don't think you could fake this stunt that we see here this is someone literally being thrown into the corner against the wall yeah and hitting a nightstand or little table there knocking stuff over like it's definitely it's a it's a rough scene <laughs> yeah well the, the first minutes of this movie to date have all been interspersed with a woman being attacked mm -hmm. yeah but i mean this is the first, I, I feel like this is the roughest minute we have so far, just in terms of sort of the sheer physical punishment. We're going to get something even rougher in tomorrow's minute. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't know how they did this in such a way that it would necessarily protect her or especially her head. And I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the stunt person who's doing this stunt. I'm sure it's not Seela Ward, um, but whoever it is, 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 I think, doing a pretty great job. Yeah, yeah, I, I had that wonder that myself because it doesn't i mean i guess it doesn't but uh, it it's not her that wouldn't make sense but no unless they, i don't know i i highly doubt it pete what do you think we talked about this in previous weeks what do you think about the switch to black and white for the murder scenes um i get it i don't know if it like um you know 
what it feels a little bit cliche to me right now, but that could be because it's, you know, 30 years later, 30 years later. Yeah. And, and, you know, they've been doing this kind of thing on, on all kinds of like procedural TV shows and stuff like that and other movies. So, I mean, I definitely, I know they wanted to kind of hammer home that this is not, you know, the, the separation in time, uh, that this is a flashback to what was going on. So you're not, you know, um, I don't, I can't picture being confused uh, after a minute, but like they, they wanted to kind of throw you right into like, oh, okay, this is, this is what you were seeing. Uh, they should have had totally different, you know, they should have done like reenactment and had like totally different <laughs> actors playing out this scene. You know? Like Perry King coming in downstairs, like, honey, I'm home. Who won the game? You know? Yeah. The, name, the, the names of the innocent have been changed to protect their identity. Yeah. I, I had wondered at some point as well, if, uh, if they'd put it in black and white to um, help, with their rating like so it's not quite as like there's not as much blood and that kind of thing although i I was going to talk about this in the next minute um it's interesting that as soon as uh, richard enters the apartment then both richard and helen are in color and but like helen's a faded color but her blood is red Hmm. Hmm. that's a good point let's dig it to let's dig into that a little bit more on wednesday's show um it's in slow motion as well too uh, which we've seen a little bit of slow motion in some of the other um, crime scenes that we've seen so far. I think, I mean, I think it's a pretty powerful moment in this minute. Um, yeah. That's all I've got for the stuff we see in this minute. We've got some more stuff to do today, but anything else, any other notes that any of that you all had about this, the action or the people in this minute? I I just, uh, you know, the cliffhanger of Richard Kimball did in fact viciously what? Like we don't know. <laughs> it cuts us off. That's the beauty of the minute format. They're like, yep. but he did in fact viciously. Yeah, we, have, we have to go match game. Yeah. <laughs> His- he did did in fact viciously eat those cold cuts that were left over in the fridge. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, devour a sandwich of some sort. <laughs> well, Pete, since you brought it up, it's so great to have you on the show this whole week. This is our first chance to have some of our guest segments and on our monday show um we're gonna ask you to go way back and just kind of tell us tell us if anything what you can remember from your from your your first experiences with the fugitive which sounds like might also be your your last experience with the fugitive like I what do you remember experience what do you remember from seeing the fugitive low these many years ago um this was was uh, again. I, I in talking to you guys uh, in prep for this, I realized at first I was like, I don't think I saw that, and then I was like, Oh no, wait, I did absolutely see that. But it was when it was. I don't think I saw it in the theater. I think it was when it first was released on on home video. So it was VHS that we're talking. So um, spring of '94. So it would have been I would have been in college and and been. Um, kind of this would have been the kind of thing that like somebody on the dorm floor you know rented and we all went and watched it together um either in our room or in somebody else's room we were i'm gonna say we were the party room but that makes it sound like we were cooler than we were we were the party room in the sense that we had like a laser disc player and you know like like the the director's cut of blade runner so it was like we're that kind of a party that's a party all by itself uh, nerds. <laughs> not the not the you know kind of keg stand get wasted kind of party we were the you know like hey anybody want to come over and watch you know Jacques Tati, like that kind of. But do you, do you remember liking it? Not liking it? Do you remember how you felt about it at the time? Um, I remember. Well, I I feel like it was enough of a um kind of cultural thing that I felt like, oh, good, I I'm caught up with what everybody's 
I'm caught up with the references what everybody's talking about once it came out on video because it was like oh people have seen it people were talking about it then once it came out I was like oh yes now I, now I've seen that thing and I get your reference so I'm I'm, I'm okay and I that was my main um, feeling I don't remember being like wowed by it or dismayed by it either way I I do have a um I don't know I don't know if I recognize that I don't I don't love too many um I don't know would you call this an action movie it's kind of a thriller like a crime thriller I I. I I don't know. I feel like this kind of gets into a genre that I'm not that into. I don't hate, and I, I you know, if I end up watching a movie like that, I'll be fine with it. But uh, I would call this, I would call this a thinking person's action movie. It's an action movie, but it's not like a dumb action movie. Like Andrew Davis, who's the director, got his start directing movies with Steven Seagal and Chuck Norris, uh, and Chuck Norris, and those are. A little, a few rungs down yeah. on the maybe not so much Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, very good. Well, thanks for that, um, Pete. I feel a little silly asking you this question, but can you remind our listeners all the places that they can see and hear you on the internet? Hmm. Um, yes. Go to uh, StarWarsMinute.com is the main thing where I send people because that's where you can get to the uh, the podcast, the YouTube component of the podcast, the Patreon where we do extra episodes and all that stuff. And uh, um, that, you can get to almost everything there. I also do a, a Star Trek podcast called ABCD TOS. Uh, and that TOS might be short-lived. We'll see. We're, we're talking to each other about getting back together because we already covered the all of the original series episodes in alphabetical order and all the original cast in alphabetical order. And so now we're seeing if anybody has time to move on and perhaps do something new. You don't think it'll morph into ABCDTNG? Well, we'll see. That's, 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 that's... My fingers are crossed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Susan. Susan is the Star Wars, uh, sorry, Star Trek fan hmm. uh, among the two of us. I have some experience with, with Star Trek, but not, not, not as much as she does. I am the bigger nerd in this area. <laughs> oh, you're the, you're the, that's the party room. In different party room, audio visual party room. I'll stack up my nerd credentials against either one of anything. But well, part of the gag on the on the on the podcast now that every time he mentions a movie, I'm like, no, I haven't seen it. <laughs> all right, well, let's get out of here. Um, thank you once again for listening to another episode of the One Arm Minute. Please, if you can, rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app. We will read out any five star reviews uh, in an upcoming minute come and join us on facebook at tempest fugitive the one-armed minute search team we are also on uh elon uh, musk's pet project at one armed minute and you can email us at one armed minute at gmail.com so remember until next time i didn't kill my wife i, I don't, don't care, care.